Hey, Marianne, there's a picture of a dog named Boone that was sent to me that I want to tell you about. Hey, what kind of dog is Boone? Well, it's hard to say. He's a big dog. (laughs) Big is not a breed, Amy. Yeah, I had to ask Boone's mom, human mom, about his breed because (laughs) what do I know about dogs? Really, all you need to know is dogs are great. Who's Boone's mom, by the way? Uh, Her name is Danae Unti. She told me that figuring out Boone's breed was a bit of a puzzle. She was led to believe that Boone and his brother Waylon were greater Swiss mountain dog mixes. But she found out later she was misinformed. They did not have any Swiss mountain dog in them. Um, it was mostly, you know, Retriever and, um, and Rottweiler and a couple a couple fun other things. Booney, he sort of looked like a mix of like a, an Irish setter and a, and a really like dark golden retriever almost with some, with some Rottweiler coloring. Aw, so Boone's a mutt. Boone's a mutt. And in this photo taken when he was about eight, he's sitting on the seat of a boat with beautiful Lake Sonoma in the background and his eyes are kind of closed and he's clearly just soaking in the California sun. Having the time of his doggy life. <laughs> his doggy life. <laughs> yeah, it looks like all he needs is a nice glass of unti wine and he'd be set. Wait, unti? Hang on, Unti the winery? Yeah, Boone belonged to the Untis. Or maybe the Untis belonged to Boone. <laughs> so anyway, uh, at least I know how it works in my family. Okay, so why are we hearing about Boone in the first place? I mean, why not? You just said dogs are great. Okay, true, true. Well, one day, several years ago, Danae and her husband, who live in Sonoma County, were packing up the car and about to head out for a day at Tamales Bay, with Boone, of course. Nice. When Danae says she noticed something about Boone. I remember leaning over and grabbing Boone's head and feeling um, his jaw as I as I grabbed his head and kissed his face. And I could feel that there was swelling on the right side of his jaw um, that I had not noticed before. I basically just opened his mouth um, and he yelped a little bit and I could see that there was a mass um, on the top of his jaw. A mass? Oh no. Yeah, oh no. The mass turned out to be cancer, an oral melanoma that was inoperable. And this news came at a time when they just lost Boone's brother, Waylon, to cancer. It was devastating. Um, you know, my my animals are my whole life. Um, and, you know, we love them dearly. Um, losing Waylon was a real, was a real loss. Um, and... It felt, you know, we felt so lucky and and just so fortunate to have Booney with us and really hoped for a couple more years. Oh, yeah, how old was Boone? He was eight at the time of diagnosis. Oh, yeah, big dogs like that often don't live as long as smaller dogs, but you'd still expect and really want more time. Yeah, but did you know about one in every four dogs will develop cancer? No, I did not know it was that common. Okay, Amy, this is turning out to be a really awful story. It's not awful. It's hopeful, actually. You see, Denise Vet told her about a clinical trial at the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine that would test a new cancer treatment. It's part of our comparative oncology program. Oh, right. This is the program between the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine and the UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. It looks at what companion animals, both dogs and cats, can teach us about cancer in humans. And the other way around, so both humans and animals benefit. What I want to know is, did Boone benefit? Did the treatment work? You'll find out. 
Coming to you from UC Davis and UC Davis Health, this is Unfold, a podcast that breaks down complicated problems and unfolds curiosity-driven research. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Marianne Rush-Sharp. So Marianne, I visited the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine. Wait, don't you always visit the vet school? (laughs) Well, I have been there a lot. I do like animals. But I had the chance to visit Dr. Michael Kent, a radiation oncologist who co-directs the Comparative Oncology Program. Oh, the Comparative Oncology Program is pretty unique. Only a few institutions nationwide offer such a program. Before we get into the details of the program, we're going to start first with understanding a little about cancer in dogs. Ken takes me down a long hallway at the Center for Companion Animal Health. Hundreds of framed photos of dogs and cats line one of the walls. Oh, patients, yeah, these are some of my patients over the years and, and some of the other doctors' patients over the years. It's a nice wall. It reminds me what we do. Ken says he's treated thousands of patients over his career here, too many to count. The oncology department averages a few thousand animals each year with cancer, many of them dogs. Half of all dogs that live till 10 will die of cancer. You know, about 25% of dogs will develop cancer. It's a little less for cats. And, you know, so cancer still is a major problem in the species. And, you know, as dogs age and live longer because they have good nutrition, they have vaccines so they don't die of infectious diseases, they live long enough to develop cancer. We continue our trek into a room that holds a huge machine called a linear accelerator. It looks a lot like a giant microscope. A dog is placed on a movable exam table underneath the device. The machine uses radiation therapy to target the cancer with pinpoint accuracy. Vet tech Sarah Stevens preps a dog, a German Shepherd mix, for treatment. I'm going to grab a little bit. The dog has a cancerous tumor in her pelvis that is now just microscopic. Kent conducts clinical trials and uses high-tech equipment like this one with one goal, to offer the best treatment for animals with cancer. Kent says dogs get all the same cancers that humans get. You know, when we think about it, um, you know, dogs get brain tumors like gliomas and glioblastomas. Dogs get bone tumors like osteosarcoma. Dogs get melanomas. They're more commonly going to be in their mouth, though they do get skin ones, so they don't tend to have the same causes in biology because it's not from being out in the sun too much. The list is long. Kent says over the years, veterinarians have had to use what they've learned about fighting cancer in humans to fight cancer in dogs. You know, initially when I became a veterinary oncologist, you know, they didn't make linear accelerators for medical therapy for dogs or cats or horses. They made it for people. And so we took what we knew in humans and brought it back to our patients. But the comparative oncology program is changing that. The idea now is also to be able to flip that paradigm and take what we learn in those same companion species, like, you know, our dogs and cats that live with us, and apply it to humans. Marianne, the idea of comparative medicine isn't new, of course. Scientists have long used creatures like rats and mice to research cancer treatments and drug therapies. Right, but there are limitations to that. Dr. Robert Cantor co-directs the Comparative Oncology Program at the UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. He says the most notable difference is that cancers in rats and mice are not naturally occurring. 
In mice, it's, it's a question of us implanting cancer or manipulating the, the, the genes of mice so they develop cancers or, you know, exposing them to things that are very, very damaging so they develop cancer. And that obviously serves a purpose to um, evaluate that and, and study it, but it's really not the same cancer that humans and dogs get um, and therefore you know may fall short in translating what we learn in mice into people. Manipulating these genes in mice can also disrupt the immune system, making it difficult to know how a tumor would actually respond to a therapy. Cantor also says it's really easy to cure cancer in mice compared to humans or dogs. And because of that, or related to that, almost all drugs, the statistic we sort of uh, teach people is about 90% of drugs that actually move from mouse studies to human studies fail. And so there really is a large failure rate. And again, that is something where I think the dog uh, cancer model can, can provide benefit. Unlike mice, dogs respond to cancer therapies in the same way as humans. So they could help identify drugs or treatments that are more effective. And they can identify drugs that are going to fail in humans a lot sooner. And Kent says dogs can develop cancer in the same way as humans because they're vulnerable to the same things we are, including bad air or environmental toxins. My dog, for example, my dog's with me 24 hours a day. Dog is exposed to everything I'm exposed to has similar exercise to them, you know, that I have. And so really when you look at it, they've co-evolved with us for over 10,000 years. And their biology is very similar to ours. Even their immune systems are very similar to ours. Dogs even have similar microbiomes. You know, all those microbes and bacteria that naturally live on us. That's because dogs pretty much eat what we eat. I mean, I'm not eating kibble, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and there are differences, of course. And another major one, of course, is that dogs age faster. But that can be a benefit in some ways, especially if you're trying to understand how long a treatment may work. As an example, Kent says the goal of a clinical trial going on here at the vet school is to develop a vaccine against cancer in dogs that might eventually translate to humans. You know, if you vaccinate a few hundred dogs and follow them forward, that's much easier, um, in a sense, to do than vaccinating people and following them for their whole lives. You can evaluate and get results uh, more quickly in dogs than you can in people. That's Cantor. He agrees that working with dogs has its advantages. Part of that too is just the steps involved to get a trial open in people with regulatory issues and financial issues and recruitment issues. Um, human trials can, can be very lengthy and, and very resource intensive, uh, which slows the process. The Comparative Oncology Program has had success stories, including new ways to treat cancer in dogs. Cantor says they have developed treatments that have either translated to humans or are in the beginning stages of human trials. We did the first uh, clinical trial uh, with um, natural killer cells um, in dogs. Natural killer cells are a group of cells in your body that are part of the immune system and can fight cancer cells. Just recently, doctors and veterinarians also developed a treatment for lung cancer that has shown promise. Uh, we've also done a trial with um, an inhaled uh, immunotherapy called interleukin-15. And we've had some very exciting, I mean, in, in our opinion, 
some very exciting results in terms of dogs having significant benefits from the inhaled uh, immunotherapy, causing regression of tumors, metastasis in the lungs. This particular immunotherapy, which is a way to harness a patient's own immune system to kill cancer, had never been given as an inhaled treatment on a dog or human. But oncologists found the method reduces toxicity exposure to the rest of the body. So the goal is to eventually start a human trial. All of these success stories would not be possible without the help of dog owners, like Danae Unti, you know, Boone's mom, who we talked about at the beginning of this story. Yes, please do get back to Boone's story. I've been dying to know what happened. Well, Boone had oral melanoma, which can be extremely invasive. Danae found out that even with chemotherapy and radiation, few dogs are cured, and many times the cancer comes back. But then she found out about the clinical trial, right? The clinical trial was designed to assess a drug called Zox. The hope was it would make tumors like Boone's more susceptible to radiation therapy and help the immune system attack the tumor. So she decided to go through with the trial for Boone. Yeah, but it was a decision Danae says they weighed carefully. People think that you are extending your dog's life and um, for selfish reasons and that you're putting your animal perhaps through discomfort um, in the name of science or just in the name of your own selfish needs. And I just, that really just couldn't be further from the truth. She says if she had a dog, which she does now, who gets anxious or nervous around strangers in strange settings, she likely wouldn't do the same. It might be too stressful for him. Yeah, because I can imagine it's a lot of trips to the vet. Right. But she says Boone just wasn't that kind of dog. Boone, like, thought he was going to a health spa. I mean, he had the most fantastic times going. He would jump out of my car when we arrived, and he was like, Mom, drop me off close to the hospital. I'm going to go see my friends. Like, he was he was a superstar there. And, um, you know, and that, that was part of it, too. He was a superstar there. That's hysterical. So... He's the perfect candidate. So did the drug work? Did Boone's cancer go away? This is the real question we want to know, Amy. Well, after given Zox, Boone had four weekly rounds of radiation therapy in the linear accelerator we told you about earlier. And after the fourth round, his tumor had shrunk. And two weeks later, there was no visible tumor. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> that's what Danae said. It was really amazing. And it was really nothing we ever expected going into it. So it was, it, it was, it was just like, a, it was a dream, you know, it was just all we could have imagined and hoped and, and dreamed for him. Marianne, I told you Boone got his diagnosis when he was eight. He lived almost another five years. He was almost 13 when he passed away. Oh, that's great for a big dog. Such a happy story. And while not every clinical trial results in so much success, Danae had this to say about her experience. UC Davis wouldn't have allowed me to push for things that weren't in Boone's best interest. You know, everything was for the quality of life of Boone and in his best interest. And it, it was just a cherry on top that we were getting research that was going to help, um, you know, humans down the line. 
So it, it just, it really was this win-win situation all around in, in our case. So is the drug going to help humans? Have they started clinical trials? Ken told me the drug is still in development. It started the first human trial for safety, but has not yet been given to cancer patients. But that's the hope? Ken says the goal of the comparative oncology program is actually broader when you think about it. What's really nice is that we have the structure within the cancer center to actually do these type of trials, to bring people together who work in different types of research in different species in order to pursue the one goal. I mean, it's ending cancer. It's not ending cancer in people. It's not ending cancer in dogs. Or ending, it's ending cancer. That's the perfect way to end this episode. And you can find that photo of Boone on the boat that we talked about in this episode on our website. And you can find more episodes of Unfold at ucdavis.edu slash unfold. I'm Amy Quinton. And I'm Marianne Rushsharp. Unfold is a production of UC Davis. Original music for Unfold comes from Damian Barrett and Curtis Jerome Haynes. Additional music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. If you like this podcast, check out UC Davis's other podcast, The Backdrop. It's a monthly interview program featuring conversations with UC Davis scholars and researchers working in the social sciences, humanities, arts, and culture. Hosted by public radio veteran Soterius Johnson, the conversations feature new work and expertise on a trending topic in the news. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can now listen to Unfold on your smart speaker. Just ask Echo to play Unfold podcast for me. Or ask your Google Home. It's that thing that looks like an air freshener sitting on your shelf. Or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.